Report recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. Suckers don't last a minute. Soft and smooth, he ain't with it. Your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, it's gonna get it's gonna get so much less weak. We have a fun show ahead of us. We are going to do a who's who in the DC universe about one of my favorite characters of all the times. He's a spelunker gets down deep into the core of the earth. His name is Cave Carson. He's recently made a comeback in the comic with our favorite guy off the CW, uh, DCW universe, a dude who goes by the name of Wild Dog. He's in uh, Arrow. This is going to be a super fun show, so sit back, buckle in. Let's bring an iceberg. Yo, iceberg! What's cracking? What is that? Cracking. Dude, we go over this every week. I'm just, you know, I'm throwing something out there trying to get you to improv a bit. I shall play along. Nothing is cracking except my joints. Know what I am saying. There that is a joke. Yeah, I guess I get I guess it was one. Are you feeling better about asking me stuff all the times now? Not really. I was just, you know, just trying to see what what was going on. There is nothing going on. I am not doing anything at all. Oh yeah? Why not? Because I do not want to. One does not always have to be doing something. I just want to chill, sit back and count my papes. You feel me? You want to count the papes, huh? Uh, how many papes do you have, Iceberg? I I don't have, like, tons of papes. Not, not enough to sit back and count them. Unless you mean, like, you're sitting back and... Are you going to do your checkbook? You know, is that what you mean? You're going to count your papes, like, get your, get your bills in order? I, I don't know, man. That's not what I mean at all. I do not balance my checkbook, fool. Why not? You you really should. I have so many racks that I don't have to balance it. I know that I have enough by the fact that I am stacking mad slices of cheddar, Holmes. I guess that's one way to uh, look at it, but I don't know if that's a way to uh, long-term financial security to just spend without paying attention to the amount that you have. Uh, at any rate, that's enough, Iceberg. Thanks for uh, thanks for dropping by and sharing your keys to financial uh, success with us. So let's, uh, let's get moving on in the show. This is the Toys R Us report and we'll make you famous. Taking over the earth while still kicking in Uranus. Not just taking over the Earth, Uranus, Jupiter, and all other planets. We are taking all space and time. It is us, the Toys R Us report, and we are back riding this ultramagnetic beat. This is uh, ultramagnetic and uh, the main man, Rhythm X. Cool Keith himself doing one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. That ultramagnetic four horsemen record is, that is a all-time classic as far as I am concerned. I have owned that on the tape. I've owned it on a... CD, I have digital copies in both my MP3 players and my phone and my Google Music. That is, that is one of my favorite hip-hop records of all, all of the times. But, uh, I was at the flea market this past weekend as I, as I usually am. We got there a bit late. It's cold in the morning and we got there later than usual and we're, you know, poking around, checking stuff out, walking around, doing this and that. And we see our man, Alan. Alan's this cool guy we know from the dig. He's a really nice guy. He skateboards. He he seems skateboarding up and down the flea market aisles all the time. And he's just, you know, he's like a happy-go-lucky, sort of good-vibing, nice guy. He's just very, very pleasant. And he he also buys storage units and storage lockers. I've never done that. I don't... I don't have the space or the inclination, really. I do want to go check it out sometimes, but I've never, never actually gone and done it. But anyhow, this guy, he picks him up. He says, 
when he goes down there, a lot of the times units go for five or ten dollars just because nobody wants to go in there and uh, empty it out. So he'll take a chance, and he's at the flea market all the time, and he has like bins and bins and boxes and boxes just full of like random stuff, and he he kind of displays it differently every time you go out, so you never know. Like, what is his and what is somebody else's? So every time I'm always looking at it and then I go, dang it, it's Alan's stuff again. Not that it's bad because he he always has toys and he always has, like, toy pieces and things. And his prices are, are really affordable. Like, uh, this time I went through all of his stuff and I got a Starlog magazine and I got a couple DC uh, Who's Who's. Not the actual Who's Who's comics. For a while they made these, these binders that you were supposed to gather... Uh, pages like they would come out with different pages every month like a packet of pages and you could put them in this three ring binder and have you know your who's who in that format instead of individual issues i i found a pack of those pages with like booster gold it's like an update it's pretty cool i do like it i want to get the binder but i i want to get it uh, at the flea market and i got that and i got a starlog magazine and i got a a vulture man a uh, thundercat vulture man and this really weird pirate that I don't know the origins of in any way. He's from China. It's really just a strange looking figure, but I like it. And then I got a big bag. I was picking through this bag and he's like, I'll give you the whole bag for a dollar. Just take it. And it had, you know, green army men and robot pieces and just tons of stuff. I was able to pull a few like neat items out of it. I got like a Lucasfilms pin, you know, like a pin you would put on your shirt. You know, I got, I got that and some other cool stuff, but I was there and then this other flea market cool guy we know named Danny was sharing a space with Alan. And he had, like, some Mark's monsters, you know, Mark's toys, those plastic monsters. And he had a Star Wars game and whatever. And we were there, and then we walked away from that area and moved on to another area. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm digging around, and I found, like, a Polaroid camera and some videotapes and stuff. And then I look over, and this guy that I see at the flea market all the time, he's an older... Asian chap. He looks like he looks like Pai Mei from Kill Bill 2. He has a really long white beard and it, you know, it goes down like to the middle of his chest. This guy is he's he's super cool. He he dresses in like a really neat old style and he's just like a really cool guy. He's bought stuff from us before. I've sold him like three or four different suitcases. I don't I don't know what he does with them, but he's always buying these suitcases. And anyhow, I, I I look over there, and dude is, like, laying face first on the ground, and I was sort of frozen for a second, like, what the heck? You know, it takes a second sometimes for these things to even, like, register of what you're, what you're looking at, so I, I kind of froze a bit. But then, out of the corner of my eye, I see Danny from over at Alan's booth. He's running at full speed over to the dude, and he runs in there, and... You know, he jumps down and starts, uh, you know, assessing the situation super quickly. And by that time, a few other fools had also gotten in on the act of helping out. But they were all nearby. And Danny made it from, like, 50 yards to save this guy. And I was, I, you know, I was only frozen for a second. And I, I was maybe, you know, 30 feet away. I wasn't, like, right there. I just, I saw it out of the corner of my eye, but, uh, Danny was on it like a shot. It turns out that he just, you know, tripped on an icy patch, which, you know, can totally happen, especially because we don't get a lot of ice. So he just kind of stumbled on an icy patch and he cut his hand a bit. But, uh, I, I was just surprised at how quickly this guy Danny got over there to save him. And then I'm, you know, kind of watching it out of the corner of my eye, trying not to be, you know, too snoopy, but I see how he, he went over to a booth and... He just, like, took a chair that somebody had for sale, and he's like, here, here, sir, let me help you up, let me in get into this chair. And, you know, he tended to this guy, just, so, you know, so politely, so kindly. And, you know, seeing this, it's like, I, I'd already thought this guy Dan's a cool, cool dude. He always says hello. I've sold him some things. I've bought some things from him. He's he's a cool guy. And now, I, you know, I, I also see him, like, like, as a kind guy. So this is, you know, he, he really came up in my eyes. It was... It's always weird when you see that. When you look over and you see somebody laying on the ground, it's just, it's so unexpected that you don't respond as quickly as you would want to. I feel as if I could have been there before Dan, but he was the man. He was, uh, you know, he's the one who did it. So big up to Dan, 
for being a superhero. Just wanted to, I wanted to get this down on uh, on wax so everyone would know, everyone out there would know that this guy Danny that I know randomly from the flea market and the dig is a cool hero and a kind human being. But I don't know, man. It was just it was kind of a story that stuck in my head as of right now. Just having seen it, his hands were really bloody, and it was he's a cool guy. I hated I hated to see him fall, and. I was glad to see that later in the flea market when we were on another row, he was there, you know, just up and about looking at suitcases, uh, you know, he seemed absolutely no worse, no worse for the wear. So, dude, keeps on keeping on, just as we must do as we move into a segment known as At The Movies. This episode of the Toys R Us Report is brought to you by Kellogg's and by Corn Frost, the cereal that possesses the flavor up. Your lost friends and ancestors watching over you from the distance just to make sure that you are safe. Corn Frost by Kellogg. Corn Frost. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? From Academy Award-winning filmmaker James L. Brooks, who brought you some of the funniest, most memorable, relatable, and emotional movies of all time. Like Jerry Maguire, as good as it gets, and say anything, comes one of the best-reviewed comedies of the year, or any year. Now, it's time to experience the film that's been called one of the best and most surprising comedies in years. This Friday, it's time to discover The Edge of 17. Written and directed by Kelly Freeman Craig. Rated R. I think that's a bit deceptive. The movie was produced by James L. Brooks, but it was uh, completely written and directed by Kelly Freeman. Kelly Friedman's other credit is a movie known as Postgrad, which was the post-Gilmore Girl movie for... Uh, Alexis Bedell, it wasn't wasn't all that great, but this movie is great. This is a fantastic movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was actually seen by me a few weeks back, many, many moons ago, and I just keep putting off doing the review, and by now it's out of the theaters. It might be on VOD, it might be getting ready to go onto VHS, a Laserdisc, DVD, Beta... And all other uh, formats of the day, the popular formats. And if you um, if you come across it in those formats, I would recommend this movie very, very highly. Let's hop on over and see what let's see what the tomatoes has to say about it. You might hear you might hear me tapping away on the good old mouse. Uh, age of seventeen, the edge. Of 17 is a new coming-of-age movie in the vein of 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club. It's an honest, candid, often hilarious look at what it is like to grow up as a young woman in today's world. It stars Haley Steinfeld, who you might know from Pitch Perfect 2 or from uh, True Grit. Woody Harrelson is in it. Haley uh, Lou Richardson from The Bronze, she is somebody I like, is in it. Also, Blake Jenner who you might know as Supergirl, Melissa Benoist's ex-husband. They recently filed for divorce. He is in, he plays her brother. If I were, if I were making a Captain America TV show, like let's just say they wanted a TV show on, you know, uh, ABC about Captain America, I might very well cast Blake Jenner. He has, he has that all-American-ness about him, but he doesn't, he doesn't really have that movie star quality, but he definitely has TV star quality, and I could see him playing a a Steve Rogers type. If I if I actually made that show, I think what I would do is it would be more about like the espionage side of Cap's career as opposed to the super side. He might get into the suit every now and again, but for the most part, you'd see him in his ball cap and glasses with his leather jacket, like in uh much of Winter Soldier. You know, he'd be in his incognito disguise trying to go around and infiltrate Hydra. But anyhow, the story has, it has many, like, facets to it. It's it's a comedy, and it's funny, but it's also a very legitimate coming-of-age story that, at times, is heart-wrenching. There are so many things that go on that are 
so realistic and just so hard to watch that I cannot help but give this movie just, you know, a very high recommendation. Uh, the acting is great, the directing is great, the script is great. It's It focuses on this girl, Nadine, who is, she's troubled. Her father, who she was very close to, passed away due to a heart attack, and this has left the family just, like, rudderless. Like, her mother is rudderless, and she is... Her brother is doing everything he can do to hold it together, but he comes across very pompous, and the only person in Nadine's life who she's close to is... Well, there's two. We'll talk about that in a second. Is her friend Krista, but then her brother and Krista begin dating, which is very hard for her to accept. It would be very hard for me to accept as well, I think, in her position, just because her brother is so on top of things. He's an athlete, a scholar. He's together. He has friends to hang out with. And then he has to fall in love with the one person that you have with you. It's very, very rough and very relatable conflict. This movie was just very thought-provoking, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do a quick moral lesson. In the movie, things are falling apart. The family has no rudder, and the brother is doing as much as he can to hold things together. And Nadine, not purposely, but she is acting as an anchor to the rudderless ship, which might seem you know might seem like the safe thing to do, but she's really She's causing a lot of problems and a lot of troubles. And it's holding it's holding the family back from, you know, achieving all they can achieve. And there are times in all of our lives when we are the one that is causing problems that just don't need to be caused. We're, you know, throwing fits in the car or we're just doing whatever we do to interfere from happiness. And I think that in this upcoming new year, we should all make an effort to not be the problem. Let's not be Nadine. Let's be Blake Jenner, the one who is doing his best to help the problems. He he comes across very arrogant. By the end of the movie, you're going to, you know, really see where he's coming from and you're going to respect his courage and bravery in trying to take care of his mom and take care of his sister while also taking care of himself, you know, after being faced with you know, the death of his own father. You know, he he also suffered a loss, and by the end of the movie, you'll really feel everyone's loss. I I thought this was great. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, it was it was the old wife's pick. She wanted to see it. It's it's interesting. It's called The Age of Seventeen, and it does have a lot of teen stuff in it. But it's rated R, so we didn't feel comfortable taking two point even though the movie's like right in her, you know. Uh, What's that word? Right in her wheelhouse. So we went to check it out ourselves, you know, just to see what the content was that would warrant that R in case she wants to check it out when it, uh, when we cop it on Laserdisc. And there's a lot of, uh, sexual stuff, a lot of, you know, swearing and drug use and alcohol use. And that stuff is all, all part of real life. And as much as, you know, I don't condone it, it is part of real life. And... I think that this movie has such artistic merit that I will let her check it out, but I can't check it out at the same time as she is. You know, we can't go together and watch these kind of movies. There are important lessons to be learned, but they are lessons that must be uh, gleaned on our own. So, with all that said, it's right now at 94 on Tomatoes, and I'm going to give this... I'm going to give this guy four, four mics, man. Mic. A good old four mics. Four mics. Up next, what's sure to be an awesome segment. Who's who in the DC Comics universe? You're welcome in advance. Alrighty, right, my dudes. We are back for a segment I like to call Who's Who in the DC Comics universe because, because that is... That is its proper name. What we do is we take a look at some off-the-wall and not-so-off-the-wall characters from DC Comics' rich history, and we do it through the lens of their 1980s seminal comic series, Who's Who in the DC Universe, in which they attempted to catalog all of their kooky characters in one place with bios, data, first appearances, and all 
sorts of cool stuff. This was a super influential one to me when I was a kid. It It's what got me into comics in a lot of ways. I came up on a few of these, and once I started to like really dig into this vast history, I I could not but buy more comics, read more comics, and just want to learn about all these kooky characters that I was, you know, reading about when I was taking a bath. That's what I would do a lot of the times. I would take the who's who's with me when I was a kid, and I would take a bath or whatever. And my original ones, of course, are destroyed, but over time I have amassed a new set. And this is what we are going to dig into today. The character that we are going to examine is a guy who goes by the name of Cave Carson. He is DC Comics' top spelunker. A spelunker being a fool who goes down in caves and peeks about. Cave is... He is contained within the June 1985 episode of Who's Who. This one goes from the Cadre. You can hear me. You can hear me uh, touching the magazine right now. The Cadre was a Justice League villainous team. All the way to Chris KL99, who was a kind of an outer space sort of character. And let's see. Let's see what. Let's see what we can learn about Cave through the lens of DC Comics Who's Who. Y'all right, we are going to dig into the issue. So his personal data, it goes like this. His full name is Calvin Cave Carson. He is a professional spelunker. I wonder I wonder how one earns a living doing that. Uh, do you do you go down and search for, you know, rare ores, kyber crystals, dilithium crystals, things like that, and bring them to the surface, maybe rare artifacts from long lost societies, you know, the the Eloy, maybe, or or whatnot. You know, the Mole Men in Marvel. You go down and you... I have no idea. Maybe we'll find out. He is single. He has no known relatives. He is affiliated with a group known as the Forgotten Heroes. I like them, and we'll talk about them a bit later. Also, he does have some known relatives and a wife in a later incarnation that we will talk about. Things have changed for Cave. We will find out in the present. His base of operations is Inside the Earth. That is dope. He first appeared in Brave and the Bold, number 31. He's 5'11", 178. His eye is blue. Well, both of them. Well, maybe not. We will learn. And his hair is brown. He has a beard. And he wears like a red shirt and white pants with red boots. He has a flashlight and a thermos with coffee, I suppose. And a pickaxe. Let's... Let's take a look into his, his history. We'll find out what we can find out. Possessed of a lifelong fascination with tunnels and caves, Cave Carson became an expert on the world within the world. And he gathered together a highly skilled team to help him with his explorations. That, that does make sense, you know? It's gonna get real down there and you wanna have some fools to have your back. Uh, let's take a look at his team. His team included ex-convict, strongman, and tunnel expert, Bulldozer Smith. That's cool, man. It's uh, hard out there for an ex-convict, you know, you can't get, you can't get a job because squares don't want to hire you, to, you know, based on what you've done in the past, they don't realize that you're just trying to, to go straight and make it the right way, so it's cool that Cave gave this dude a shot, I really appreciate that, it shows, it shows he has an open heart. Then he also brought renowned geologist Christy Madsen, that's a lady, and a devil-may-care adventurer, and a fellow spelunker. Johnny Blake. One conflict I can see right now is, you know, they're going to be under there for a long time, and there's only one lady, and they're all going to be vying for her affection. I imagine that the cave and uh, Johnny Blake are sort of, you know, they're like competing for for this one gal, you know, one being the, the cool guy who's a bit older, but he's the leader, and he's the one financing the whole thing, and then you got this devil-may-care adventurer. Johnny Blake, who, he's probably, like, younger and cooler, but, you know, he still has to bow down to Cave, but then there's also the option that maybe, maybe Cave doesn't even care about the ladies, not that, you know, he, he, uh, you know, he, I'm saying he's gay or whatnot, but maybe he, maybe he's just in love with the Caves, he's one of those dudes who's super focused, and he, he would not have a romance with the member of his team, it's just unprofessional, I could see it going I can see it going either way. And they were also accompanied by Bulldozer's pet lemur, Lana. You can see here in the picture, the lemur is really interesting looking. He, it's more like a cat creature. And he's also wearing the red and white suit of, uh, of Team Cave, I guess. I guess he's some kind of a sentient lemur. He looks like he, 
He looks like he helps out. Uh, let's see what else. These four devoted their lives to uncovering the Earth's secret. And with the aid of the Mighty Mole, a remarkable digging machine invented by Carson and constructed with funds Cave has acquired as a result of his underground discoveries. See, that's it. We were wondering about that a bit earlier. He He's under there and he finds, like, otherworldly treasures, you know, uh, things that were buried by long-lost civilizations and he brings them up. He probably finds gold and diamonds. You know what it is, man. Every time you go into a movie and you see them, like, going into the earth, it's like they find just gems are laying all around. Sapphires, rubies, gold coins, doubloons, Krugerands, uh, there's always, like, some gold goblets and, you know, gold crosses coming out of treasure chests that are full of diamonds and necklaces and all sorts of stuff. You know, Cave, Cave gets that kind of junk and he brings it up and he pawns it. He go, he goes to the pawn shop and he, he sells it and he uses it to, um, create this thing called the mole. It kind of looks like a spaceship. It's like a 50 spaceship with that round construction. It has a giant fin, but the nose cone is a drill and it has treads, much like a tank. Uh, dun, dun, dun. And we continue on. Cave and his comrades uncovered the remains of ancient cities, located lost civilizations now living underground, and battled evolutionary throwbacks and even various alien life forms trapped deep within the earth. I wonder if they were trapped. How would how would an alien come to live in the center of the earth? Maybe maybe their planet was destroyed and they came forth looking for somewhere to live, and when they got to Earth, the, you know, the oxygen and whatnot was correct, but the, the light, maybe the light was too much, so they, they bounced into the center of the Earth, where, where there is less light than there is on the surface. I don't know. I wonder. I, I should maybe look up that adventure sometime and get into that. I, I dig the inside the Earth kind of stories. I think it's cool because, you know, you know it's not true, but the idea that there might be like entire civilizations uh, underneath our feet. It's just interesting. I also, I also like deep sea adventures. I like it when dudes go all the way down to the bottom of the ocean and look around for things. I also dig the idea that there might be civilizations under there. I'm not talking like real life Atlantis. I'm talking as far as like fictional things. I, I like Atlantis. I like the Submariner. I like Aquaman. I like Cave Carson. I like all kinds of things. Liking things is what makes life uh, a bit more bearable. Recently, Cave was banned from further exploring when he accidentally discovered an ancient object that the government had classified top secret. Like, they took something they did not want you to find, and they buried it deep, deep within the core of the Earth. But, uh, good old Cave, you know, he found it, man. He he can't be stopped. He, you know, he can dig through anything. He, he would have been essential in that movie Armageddon where there is an asteroid coming toward the Earth and Bruce Willis and his crew of dudes are up there trying to drill into it. You could have got Cave and the Mole and they could have just dug right into that asteroid and dropped the bomb in it. It would have been easy peasy, mac and cheesy, but that didn't happen and things, you know, they still turned out alright, but I think Cave could have got out of there with a minimal loss of life. Um... Joining forces with a number of other once-famous adventurers whose careers were in decline, these Forgotten Heroes, and then it says C, the Forgotten Heroes, which means you should refer to another book, which I have at hand and we are going to do. They uncovered the secret of the mysterious object and they helped to save the world. That's very vague, but that's the way of the who's who. They don't, they don't go so in-depth, you know. There's only a few paragraphs here on Cave. The picture of Cave is... Maybe three times the size of the description of his life. Uh, that's just the way it is, man. I guess they figure you'll look at him. Maybe you think he's cool. Read the small tidbits you're you're given and then look into it further. Which I have not as far as Cave, but I still, I still dig him. While Cave is now a regular member of the so-called Forgotten Heroes, the whereabouts of his former comrades remain unknown. So... Cave got offered the chance to join this other team known of the known as the Forgotten Heroes, which we shall shall look into right now. They are in the October 1985 Who's Who. This goes from the Fatal Five who fought the Legion of Superheroes all the way to Garguax, 
who uh, fought the Doom Patrol. He is sort of a big, fat, green guy in a purple robe. Not, not that tough-looking, but he is. He clocks in at 678 pounds, so I don't want to miss. The Forgotten Heroes are on page 24, right before the Forgotten Villains. They're enemies. So let's go, and we will dip ahead. There's Forever People. Forgotten Heroes. The Forgotten Heroes are Animal Man, Cave Carson... Congo Bill, who we have looked into at an earlier date. No, we looked into Buana Beast, and I meant to uh, look into Congo Bill. Congo Bill's dope, though. Then Dane Dorrance, Dolphin, who is a gal with white hair and some Daisy Dukes. The Immortal Man, who we have talked about back in, back in the Who's Who about Vandal Savage. He is Vandal Savage's foe. Rick Flag from the Suicide Squad, and Rip Hunter who is no longer forgotten, he is now the star of a TV program known as The Legends of Tomorrow. So, da, 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 ba, ba. let's see if there's anything in here that we all need. These guys were once prominent heroes who have stumbled across identical ancient golden pyramids. So that was the object. It was a golden pyramid. And they found themselves censured when they reported their finds to the U.S. government. Their careers were ruined. So they found these things... They didn't know what they were, but they did They did the right thing, and they turned him into the authorities, but the authorities, they never wanted these things found, so they, they ruined the careers of the forgotten heroes. But together, they teamed up, and they defeated the government. I don't know if they did. They probably defeated the men in black who ruined their careers, and they have since stayed together. Oh, check this out. Immortal Man, when he came upon the Golden Pyramid, he was like... I recognize this. I'm immortal. I've been around forever. This guy, his deal is, whereas Vandal Savage is straight up immortal. He cannot die. This guy, when he dies, he's reborn again as somebody else. That is his his form of immortality. But he's like, I've seen these pyramids before. They belong to Vandal Savage, and Vandal Savage has his hooks in the government. So we got to stop him. And stop him they did, and they discovered... That they made, you know, they made a pretty good team together. Oh, you know what? Vandal Savage's plan was aimed at Superman. It was a plan to destroy the Man of Steel. Eventually, though, the team, you know, these guys, these guys were forgotten heroes. They weren't on the top of anybody's list. So it was hard for them to get, you know, get the ear of a good hero or, or anyone Eventually, though, they were able to get to Superman, and together, they all stopped the plot and saved the world. So, I don't know, Superman, I wonder if the dude sort of kind of came at it from the angle that he was, that he was showing pity to these guys, that maybe at first, he was looking at it like, you guys have given so much over time, you know, you've dedicated to being a hero, and I do appreciate that, so I'm going to, I'm going to listen to you in the way that you would a whacked out vet a war vet coming up to you and, you know, just rambling away. You would politely listen because of, you know, all that he's been through. I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe Superman thought these were the ramblings of a madman, but he respected the office, so he paid attention. But it turned out to be right, and together they saved the world. And that's what Cave is up to as of the 80s, but it got me thinking. A lot of time has gone since the last Forgotten Heroes, and maybe, maybe it's time that we created a new one. So I spent a few minutes and I kind of, you know, poked around the who's who and I found some guys who I think might make a decent forgotten hero team of today. Let's examine them. You know, just a moment. We'll take a moment and we'll look at this. The first guy I think is a character by the name of Liberty Bell. She was a member of the All-Star Squadron and her power was when the Liberty Bell would ring. The vibrations would give her super strength, super speed, super patriotism and all that stuff. So... This is the original Libby Bell. That's her given name. This is that one from the All-Star Squadron with the blue shirt, yellow pants, blonde hair. Libby Bell. The second one is the Human Bomb. He is one of my favorite characters from that era. This guy was endowed with the power to blow things up with his fist. The problem is, all of him is explosive. And if he comes into contact with anything, it will blow. So he has to, he has to cover himself in an old-timey welder suit. Like one of those flame suits with the helmets with the you know just the window in the front it's silver and what he does is he takes off his gloves when it's time to go to work and he starts pounding away dropping bombs human bombs as it was he 
He's somebody I've always dug, so I would like to see him come into my team of Forgotten Heroes. Here's one that might be a bit more obscure. You had a team back in the day called TNT and Dynamite. TNT was the hero. Dynamite was the kid. It's Dyna-Mite. You know, like he's small. M-I-T-E. And when they would touch hands together, they would get explosive powers as well as like super strength and such. The rub was they had to touch each other. What I'm thinking is, over the years, TNT, who was the older one, you know, he's gone and he's passed away. But before he died, Dynamite injected himself with some of the DNA from TNT and together... It like formed up in his bond, his blood, it like it formed a bond, so that he would no longer have to touch TNT to get his powers. The powers were within, and he could just like clap his fists together, like boom, boom, like he's getting ready. And now, instead of being being dynamite, he's gonna go by his first name, Daniel, and just the whole word dynamite. His new name will be Daniel Dynamite, and he will be a forgotten hero. Another guy I see is Zatara. Zatara is the brother of the more famous, more popular Zatanna, the magician who can do anything she wants just by saying it backwards. But Zatara also has this power and he came along first. There's some resentment. He doesn't, he doesn't wear fishnets. He's not hot like his sister. So he has forgotten and he's happy to join this team. How about this? Sergeant Rock. Sergeant Rock is one of my favorite characters of all time. And I've always wanted dude to cross over and do some superhero stuff. So... They dig this guy, they join the team, he's going around, you know, with his uh, Thompson submachine gun, just blapping at villains, blap, blap, blap. Now, maybe he doesn't wear, you know, the helmet and the, you know, the bandoliers of bullets. Maybe he's more like a, uh, like a special operative of some sort, and he wears kind of maybe a black turtleneck and black pants, and he still has his bandoliers and his machine gun. I don't know, I just want to see, I want to see Sergeant Rock out there hanging and clanging with some other dudes. And then finally, the leader of the team, Uncle Sam himself. He is the living embodiment of the American spirit. And it's been a while since we've seen him in the comics. And with all this decisive divisiveness, rather, going on in our nation, it's time. It's time for Uncle Sam to return. Uh, Comic books have always tried to be, you know, socially progressive. And they've always tried to send out like this, you know, this positive message. This progressive, positive message. And this would be the perfect time for Uncle Sam to return to try to, you know, unite America. To unite people with different ideas back together. He will be the leader of my Forgotten Hero Squad. I'm stoked. I think it's good. I did maybe 10 minutes of research on that, but I think it came out alright. So, what is Cave up to now? Well, quite a bit actually, surprisingly enough. The dude has his own book. On Gerard Way from uh, My Chemical Romance's own DC imprint known as Young Animals. It's a really interesting title and I happened upon it because many moons ago 2.0 was way into to MCR and she started getting into Gerard Way's comics which is cool because while I don't like the music all that much I do think dude's a pretty creative fella and... I've read some of his stuff, like the Umbrella Academy, and I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good, so she got into that, and I thought it was cool, and she asked me to put out an alert over at uh, Comics for the Win, my uh, local comic shop, and have it say that anytime Gerard comes out with something, throw it in your subscription box, so I did that, and it sat, it sat stagnant, you know, a long time, she's no longer into them, and then one day, I got a copy of The Doom Patrol, and Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, I had no idea what either one of these were, and I asked uh, Tatiana at the desk what the deal was, and she's like, dude, you got this Gerard Way subscription, so there you go, here's your Gerard Ways, and I took him home, and I read The Doom Patrol, it was... It was okay. I offered both of them up to 2.0 and she she shrugged at me like, I don't know, that was a long time ago. I'm not into that scene anymore. So she she didn't want to take a look at him. But Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, is written by Gerard Way and drawn by Michael Avon Oming, who does Powers. And Powers is one of my favorite comics of all of the times. And part of the reason I enjoyed it was his art, of course. And I've read so much of it, it has... It has a real familiarity and it allowed me to jump into the title, just right into it and 
feel at home. Plus, also, I do have an affection for Cave Carson. And this one is really cool. It starts off with Cave. He's kind of on the down and outs again. Not the full-on down and outs, but to some degree the down and outs. He's recently had some sort of an incident. It's one of those things that kind of starts after the incident. You'll find out what it is as time goes on. He, he has lost his eye somehow, and he has a cybernetic eye. He has a robot eye, and you at the time do not have any idea what's going on. It's him. And then he decides he has to go back down into the earth, and he he can't go alone, so he calls a uh, loyal friend who happens to be Wild Dog of DCW Arrow fame and also, you know, 80s Mort of the Month Wizard Magazine fame, but he's one of my favorites, and the whole first issue is like cave doing cave stuff and whatever, and then on the last page, he's making a phone call, and who should pick it up? Wild Dog, and immediately I was hooked, so I've stayed, I've stayed with this one, and I, I'm enjoying it so far, it's introduced a character of uh, Chloe Carson, who is his daughter, and together, together with the dog, they're back down in the mole, they're back down in the caves. Over the course of the three issues, you find out that Cave Carson is, he's kind of a Steve Zizou character. Do you know that movie, Steve Zizou, the Wes Anderson movie? That movie is great. I love it. It stars Bill Murray as a a Jacques Cousteau-like seafaring adventurer who makes his living through, you know, documentary videos. And over the course of time, the, the public is, their interest in the videos is faded. And he's considered, you know, a person sort of in the past. And he's making some last-ditch ditch effort to make a comeback. Well, that's where we find Cave. He he had made a video called Into the Caves We Go and it was it was good, but during during the filming of it, his daughter gets grabbed by a giant under under the earth worm and there were, you know, there were cries that maybe Cave had put her in a dangerous position she did not be in and you know, public interest in him also waved and as we as we join him in Cave Carson has a cybernetic guy, he's making, again, some efforts to come back. Let's see what we can learn uh, about uh, Chloe Carson. They Gerard Way includes, like, these who's who entries in the back of his filthy animals. I mean, animals in the him, Rey Mysterio, Conan, and all these guys, they got together and they have the filthy animals imprint. It's a mistake. It's the... <laughs> DC Young Animals imprint. In the back of his Young Animals imprint, he has like these who's who entries whenever they have a new character. I really appreciate that. There's some neat details here in hers. Um, Chloe's most notable contribution to the family business was her appearance in the now infamous documentary Into the Cave We Wander. The partly staged film was mostly regarded as a desperate attempt to rebrand Cave as the leader and the patriarch of an adventuring family. Despite this, several more short films were created. Due to her age, Chloe was only allowed on softball missions. You know, wussy missions. Ones ones anybody can handle, such as The Secret of the Rock Candy Mountain, The Journey to Penguin City, and her last adventure, Night of the Boogie Worms, was never released due to a shocking scene of a six-year-old Chloe being eaten by an abnormally large worm. So... There you have that. That's actually some good writing. Those are some of those adventures I'd like to see. I'd like to see the penguins. I'd like to see Rock Candy Mountain. Those would definitely be cool. And I'm glad to... I like it when they reference things that may never ever be written. But they're still giving you the idea and the title of it. So you can kind of imagine yourself what happens. That's always cool, man. That's almost the same as writing the story. But not like writing the story in any way that involves the effort of doing it. But there you have it. So... Cave is on the upswing. I really do think that's cool. I I see what he's doing here, Gerard Way. He he got an imprint with DC, right? And they're like, "Well, Gerard, what are what are some what are some characters you might like to work with?" And he thought about it, and this is how you have to think about it. If you go, "Well, you know, like Superman and Batman, maybe the Martian Manhunter, you're going to have a lot of people looking into what you're doing because these are the flagship characters." But if you pick somebody like Cave Carson, if you pick the Doom Patrol, if you pick Shade the Changing Man, who he turned into Shade the Changing Girl, if you pick Wild Dog, nobody's going to care what you do with them because they're earning you zero dollars. And if you take them and you make them into somebody that earns you a bit of dollars, it's all good in the hood because you've moved it up. And that's what he's doing and you can do it 
on his level, it seems like without a lot of, uh, a lot of outside DC input, these really, they have the feel of, um, the Umbrella Academy and some of his earlier work. I, I'm not a big fan of his band. I would never, like, play their music. I don't, I don't, like, hate it when 2.0 plays it. It's better than some of the other stuff, but I would never, like, have it on my MP3 player or have it on a cassette. It's just not even, but... I do appreciate the dude as an artist. This comic stuff he's doing is... It's alright, man. I gotta give it up to anybody who's gonna bring Cave Carson back. Back into the public eye. So with all that said, let's move into the final segment of the show. Known as the Toys R Us Report. You are listening to IC Robots Radio. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. Your weekly toy shop update. The Toys R Us Report. I think before we get too far into the Toys R Us report, if I could, I would, I would rewind into the last segment because I, I forgot to mention something that is, it's totally obvious if you, if you look at it, that Greg Berlanti based the Legends of Tomorrow, which is uh, one of the coolest shows over on the CW, on the DCW network. He obviously based this on the Forgotten Heroes. I mean... Look at it. Just look at it. Rip Hunter is essentially the leader of the Forgotten Heroes. Their first mission is that they're fighting Vandal Savage. Both of those things are exactly like legends. And then you have a bunch of guys who are all, you know, they're all on the downswing. They're all on the bad side of their career, much like everybody that they got into the Legends of Tomorrow. They were all they were all in some kind of a bad place when Rip found them and offered them the opportunity to become legends. I see it, man. So, it's so obvious now, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's fine. I mean, I'm totally happy with Greg Berlanti taking something like The Forgotten Heroes and turning it into a uh, (laughs) TV show that I get to watch every week. It's great. Coolest thing ever. It's fantastic. It's great. What can I say? I'm ecstatic from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. What else? What else is going on? I hit up the Toys R Us. I mean, I do that. I do that like a couple times a week, but... This time I actually bought something. They are stocking the Pinmates. The Pinmates are made by Biff Bang Pow and they are essentially just remakes of Fisher-Price uh, Little People. You know, the the Fisher-Price LPs, those small pegs that could ride in cars and they had hats and they made Sesame Street and all kinds of, all kinds of cool characters. The LPs were... One of my favorites. I, I hung on to those for years. I think my favorite was the garage. I just had a great time rolling my peeps around in their cars all up and down. And it had a uh, elevator that was neat. But anyhow, the Pinmates are essentially uh, remakes of those figures, but with licensed products. The ones they had in the store were DC characters. They had Batman, Superman, all the cool ones. I picked up Harley Quinn. And I was. I was surprised and happily surprised at that with the, with the whole thing. There wood, which is neat. The The original uh, little people were made out of wood, and it, later they were made into plastic, so it was neat that they took it back to where it was. And the packaging is collector-friendly in that you can open it up, take Harley out, goof around with her, and then put her back inside, and it looks the same. And that's that's great, and it only cost me like four ninety nine. It's fantastic. Why? Uh, my wife, the old wife, she's the bigger collector of these now. She has a few displays back in back in her room uh, on the Earth base. And, you know, I gave this to her and she took it and she put it in the back of, of one of the cars. So it looks like the Cookie Monster's driving and Harley is the passenger. And I, I can appreciate that. These are, they're a bargain at the price, man. I'm, I'm certainly going to pick up more as I see them. And if they came out with other licenses, you know, if they made them available. I know that there are other ones that are available over on Entertainment Earth. They're like exclusive ones or something. I, I don't know, but I know they make Star Trek and they make all kinds of neat ones. I, I don't order a lot of toys online. I, I enjoy going to the store and finding them on my own. And if I do, I'll buy them. I I don't know. I'm just not the one when it comes to online ordering. I wish I, wish I was more into it. I'm more of the impulsive sort who sees something and goes, oh, that's really cool. And buys it. That's me. But, uh, you know, I'm happy with this pin made. If you see them, check them out. They're pretty fun. Especially if you like the Fisher-Price LPs. 
I would. I would think that you will be on board with these. What else is going on? Not all that much. It's It's been raining incredibly hard back on the Earth, Earth base where our region is, you know, just flooded. Not where I am, but where other people are is flooded. But the rain is really, it's just, it's kept us inside, which is, you know, it's fine. We've gone to the flea market and stuff, but it's, you know, it's hard to get out when it rains because everywhere you go, you get soaked from here to there. It's more likely that you're just going to stay in the house. And we have, we've been hanging around the fire, watching movies, having fun. And that's cool, man. But, uh, outside is where the fun is. Outside is where the things happen. So I got to get out there eventually. And eventually the rain will break and the sun will shine again. And I will be free to do what I want. But until then, we're going to cut the, uh, we're going to cut the Toys R Us report short. We're going to head up out of here. I got, got a lot of events to clean. I got a lot of chores to catch up here with on the Jupiter moon base. These, we got some Pooptronic inspections coming through soon. They, they drop in every once in a while, and it's not a big deal, but you know how it is when when the, the higher-ups send their guys to check things out. You want to make sure it's all it's all good in the hood, and Iceberg's not the best, you know, he's not the best help that I've ever had. So I gotta, I gotta go over his work as well as doing my own work. You know how that is when you have somebody that, that you're kind of supervising, and you gotta make sure that they are doing it right. And that takes, that takes time away from your life, and that's time... Sadly, I have to take away from the Toys R support, but why don't you join us over on Twitter? That's at ICRobots, I-S-E-E Robots. I like to tweet. I don't tweet enough, but please hop on over. Give us a follow. You can follow us on Facebook. That's Facebook.com backslash ICRobots, I-S-E-E Robots. That's where, that's where the magic happens. That's where the fun stuff is. So, you know, check it out. Check it out today. We can use all the likes we, we got and... You can, you can join up with the number one crew in the area. The Icy Robots Radio, Get Yours Posse, the GYP. You want to know how to do that? Hop on over to supportthereport.com. And for for a small amount as a buck a month, you can become a member of the Get Yours Posse. It's the number one crew in the area. The dopest dudes around. Those who give to join. It's great. We got some. We got some activities planned. We got some things going on, and you wanna you wanna be part of that before it's too late. So, for me, Iceberg Thirteen, Engineer Emily, everybody in the world, I'm signing off. This is the Toys R Us Report 107. Who's who? Cave Carson. If you don't know, I know. Recorded live on Jupiter's moon, Callisto, this has been an IC Robots Radio production.